Hello, I'm Ryan and this is You're Not Watching That, the podcast where I'm finally catching up with all those films I should have seen, but my parents wouldn't let me. It's time for us to fly into episode six and we have the need, the need for speed. It's time for Top Gun featuring Maverick, Iceman, Goose, Duck, Ratty, Mole and Mr. Toad. Uh, so strap on the aviators and your leather flying jacket and let's head back to 1986. It's USA versus Russia. It's F-14s versus MiGs and Tom versus Val, uh, which sounds like a very different type of show. Anyway, uh, welcome everyone. Welcome to the next episode of You're Not Watching That. Uh, I hope you've all been well. Uh, I've watched another film that I should have seen. This one feels a little bit like Every bugger in the world has seen it but me. And uh, you'll see what I think later on about that situation. But joining me, as always, wearing aviators uh, inside. I think that's a Blues Brothers reference now. We're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> it's Dan Fudge. Hi, Dan. Do you like Top Gun? Yeah, of course I like Top Gun. I'm a proper grown-up of a proper age, and I'm not I'm not artsy-fartsy like what you are with your with nail and eyes. What do you mean? You're... I tell you what. Well, what's funny about you saying that is you may find very soon that you are the sandwich amongst arty-farty bread because I've been joined by Neil Ferguson, who I'm going to in a minute, who makes me look positively laddish in terms of his film choices. Uh, you know, when you go like, I like that album, well, a bit of Oasis, and he'll go, have you heard that uh, Finnish song I played on a flute? But, uh, just makes you feel completely like scumbaggy all the time, but that's why I love him. Um, so I'm talking about him, so I'll introduce him as well. Met this man in 1999 in Sheffield at uni. Uh, we've seen all sorts of things, lots of stories. We're not good to have a, around your partners to tell them things about the other. Uh, it's Neil Ferguson. Hello, Neil. How are you, sir? Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing? Yeah, well, we're all right. Was that, was that fair, talking about uh, Finnish uh, nose flute music and stuff you might like? Or? I don't have any Finnish nose flute, but I do have some Kurdish saz from the, the mountains of Zagros. Music I'm not even, that's not even false, is it? I thought because you lads met each other in university, I thought Kurdish yeah. nose flute meant something else. But uh, no, not in those days. <laughs> about the, the Moroccan jazz yeah, yeah, trumpet it, yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, it's very different. Um, but yes, uh, I'll come to you in a minute, Neil, properly. Dan, um, how do you feel about this one we're going into, Top Gun? As, as you said, we've mentioned before, you were an 80s club DJ. You must yep. have seen a few people rocking the older aviators, white T-shirt and leather jacket. It's the it's the jumpsuit that normally gets uh, normally gets a good run out at Halloween or just on a Friday night. You know what I mean? Oh, we're doing eighties. Oh, get I'll, I'll dress as that then. Like you know what I mean? Uh, mm. This one, this one is. I mean, you know, we did Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, not one of the big eighties movies. This one is. This one's an absolute cultural behemoth. This one's a phenomenon. Da, 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 da. This one's massive. I thought you said something like a phenomenon for a minute. Now. <laughs> you well, that's, that's a 90s reference, you see. We're, I'm, pull, I'm pulling out genres left, right and centre. But yeah, so this one, this one's one of the big ones and I'm I'm interested to see what you and Neil have got to say about it, if I'm honest. Well, yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'll do my classic bit. We're going to hit the theme tune and we'll do the uh, things I knew before. The things I thought I saw. The things I knew before. So with this one, Obviously, it's quite culturally big. Um, I knew a lot of the music, it turns out. I knew Berlin, Take My Breath Away. Um, I knew The Danger Zone. We'll come to that in a minute, um, which gets played all the chuffing time. And that... Crap. Um, and obviously... Steve knew... Stevens. Steve <laughs> Stevens. Fuck is he. <laughs> we'll come to him in a minute, because we'll talk music. <laughs> Uh, and obviously, I knew some of the shitty lines about... I'm really sewing my, my thing to the mast here, aren't I? The crap music, the shitty lines, the need for speed crap. 
I even, do you know what? I even had a flashback where I remember a partner saying to me, take me to bed now, I'll lose me forever. And I thought, you cheap motherfucker. That's actually from this film. And I just realized whilst watching the film. <laughs> anyway, that's what I knew before. Dan, you said you're, well, I normally ask you anyway, mate. When when did you first see this one, Dan? Or was it off some dodgy bloke with a Fleur de Lis video cassette, as always? Of course it bloody was. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we are going to need a theme tune for that bit. But yes, I was 10 years old and watched this one. Now, being 10 and watching this movie, is the perfect age. I mean, Christ, it was it was motorbikes, it was aeroplanes, it was Dragon. it was homoerotic yeah. um volleyball games. It, you know, there was a lot going on. You know what I mean? And I thought it was I thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. Now, all right, you know, you you're lampooning it to start with and and et al. But um but what about the the shots and the you know the the way it's shot and the scenes and the, the over air uh, I keep saying shots angles you know what i mean the background it's I beautiful think, right i think neil's little one woke up or something and it threw you because you could hear him hear her in the background neil as you make she's shouting top gun keep talking neil's got a gone dad shooting things have changed since 1999 i'll tell you that so the thing is I, what threw me was at the start when it's saying all the names of everyone who's in it and it said tom cruise kelly mcginnis mcgillis and it said tim robbins i didn't see that chuff once in this film is tim robbins in it yeah I, he's in the I, beginning and the end doing what oh is he in the um is he helping in the in like the science room he's no he's the he's the wing he's the art uh, like the rear rear guy for the the first pilot that flips out and right. then he's tom cruise's rear guy at the end oh, okay well, well we'll come to him in that sense because i was like I didn't see that chuff once. So, Dan, I know you said, I get it. I get it if you're a kid and it's got planes and swooshy, washy, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. But there's also some, a bit of banging going on. There's a bit of like, um, what certificate is this film? Is it a 12 or a 15? Right, this is this is a PG. And and, and kind oh. of the, the, the bit that you mean the most is, has got, it's quite a raunchy, raunchy mm-hmm. sex scene, isn't it, for, for a yeah. PG? There's there's a lot happening there for for a bit of parental guidance, which which I've always found is a really odd certification to, to give to a movie parental guidance like like it was kind of inferred that the parents had to watch it first to see if it was all right for you to watch the guys or, or to kind of just shield your eyes if there was any uh any bits because you're only allowed like one shit apparently uh oh. and there might be an odd f-bomb i think oh, you changed recently but yeah you're allowed one shit back in the 80s do you not mean one serious, as my grand would have called it? Is that, <laughs> so, Neil, and um, we've got you on as kind of the special. I'll guess you asked to be on the Top Gun one, so you've yeah, hit yeah. for me for a long time because I thought you were into that weird Belgian guy we watched at uni on DVD. What was that one again? What was that weird French I, movie? I, you weirdos all watched something like Last Line of Defense or something. What was that? Uh, Olivier Gruner. Olivia Grunier. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you, Dan, some deep cuts. So why did you choose to come and talk about Top Gun, Neil? Because you've hidden that from me for a uh, while. Because Top, well, Top Gun's one of the best films ever. Um, okay. uh, yeah. Because it's been, it's like, I'll, I'll tell the story of how I first watched Top Gun. One Christmas, I don't know, early 90s, 1992, I got an Airfix model kit of an F-14 Tomcat nice as a present and i built that thing in like a day painted it looked special yeah and all of that and my dad my dad was like son we're going to the the vhs rental store and we're gonna get a film (laughs) (laughs) and uh and we went we walked walked to the local high street 
you didn't have blockbusters back then. It was just some dodgy little VHS rental store past yeah. all Neil, the weirdo Neil, just, horror films. So, sorry to cut yeah, in, Neil. Was there? A, did it do anything else? This video store because the video store in Dinnington, yeah. just just in South Yorkshire, used to be essentially a. It used to be a home appliance shop, so it'd sell washing machines and uh, <laughs> and like VHSs and stuff like that. But you could rent them as well for fifty p a week, apparently as well. <laughs> Assault, no, yeah. this was just this was just pure this was like you had it had two sides to it and on the on the left hand side i remember it was all the 80s horror films and they had the crazy covers like critters and and you'd walk past it to like take your rental up to the counter and i remember looking at these films and thinking i'm not watching that that looks that looks mad yeah, um, what, yeah. It, it's weird you bring up the covers because there was one that used to spring out to me when I was a kid, and I think it's a movie called something like "I Spit on Your Grave." Right? I've never seen the film, never oh, watched modern, it. Isn't it. But the, the 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 front of the movie, it could be it could be relatively modern. I don't know, but it's just one of those things that sticks with me, where it's the picture of a, a scantily clad lady's bottom, and uh, and it's a bit muddy, and yeah. I'm like, oh, for some reason yeah. that caught my eye as a young man. The one that got me was the one where it's like a hat. <laughs> So this was around the same time Neil sings. I remember looking at him at the top and thinking there was always a bit of blue up there as well, a bit of like Debbie Does Dallas. But there was like a house and it had like a, a really like skull-like face like that with all like, oh, its teeth and everything had gone mad and its eyes. And it was, it was yeah. like haunting or something. But I'm with you, Neil. They used to scare the shit out of me or scanners or some shit. And I was like, there's a reason yeah. I'm watching those bloody films. I think you were similar to me here, Neil, though. So you must have gone bad. In- yeah, I... I you. Yeah, you've only just done the the um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I watched that film for the first time when I was thirty five because <laughs> I was just too scared. Wow, <laughs> like, too that's scared a good seven it. years before um, me. Still though, so it? yeah, I, I yeah, um, but um, yeah, so we rented Top Gun that Christmas break, and uh, me and my dad we went home and we watched that film, and it was like it was the best thing I'd. <laughs> ever ever seen how old were you just like the, i would have been like 12 13 i guess yeah Same <laughs> that age. so what, why was it uh, also i've got this image of you sat there with your plane in your hand with the f-14 tomcat <laughs> with his wildcat just going look dad i've got the plane from the it top. had the, w- the wings it's had wings on that on that airfix kit they moved just because the f-14 it can it has wings that go like in and out Fuck I don't it. know if you noticed in the film, and yeah. it did the the, the Tomcat the, the model did the same, and yeah, it was yeah I probably did sit there with my model Tomcat and watch Tom Cruise and Kelly McGuinness and Val Kilmer yeah tear up the the screen. Stroking in. the Tomcat is new a new term yeah. for me. Uh, Dan, did you ever watch uh, any films holding a, an Airfix model of the? Actually, you know it's lucky your dad didn't make you a stinking <laughs> glove with some knives in Neil because that would have been a very different situation. <laughs> Dan, any Airfix dreams? I know you always mock me about, not you say about my dad when he bought me that that little model plane and you just thought it was the greatest thing you'd ever seen at Christmas, was it? Neil, Neil, we turned up at a boozer, right? And it, and it was his birthday. I remember Neil's known Rob since 1999. And we, it, well, you know, Rob's a, an odd chap at times, you know what I mean? He, and he's quite, he's got like a dark sense of humor. We turned up at this boozer and his dad had bought him one. Of, I mean, bear in mind, it's his 25th birthday or 26th or something, right? And he's bought him one of those little polystyrene planes that you used to get as a kid, you know, with a propeller yeah, on the front yeah. that just used to just fly in. I think rumor had it that they were supposed to come back, but they only lasted like five That's minutes. A boomerang. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, he bought him one of them, which I found absolutely fascinating. Because you were but just yeah. up getting on the tank. You go, why have you got one of them? I went, oh, these are dead good. These are <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so yeah, two, two grown ass men in their uh, in their mid twenties throwing a um, you know throwing a play. Um, yeah, World <laughs> War Two. Have you got have you got any of your top tips pre me getting into the meeting the meeting two veg of this as we call it? Well, right, okay. So this one was you know it's lauded as being a, a movie that kind of relaunched Tom Cruise's career, but it's, it didn't really stutter because he was part of what they used to call the Brat Pack back in the eighties. That you know the group of people from movies like Saint Elmo's Fire. Uh, but for some reason, Tom Cruise, whose teeth at the time looked like he had a grenade for breakfast. Yeah, they're a bit um, on the side, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're all over the place when he was in that. And then all of a sudden, this he, he went into movies such as, um, I want to say Risky Business was before this. And um, he was he already had a, a burgeoning career before this uh, before this movie came out. And then this one, because of the supreme popularity of, of this movie, absolutely set him into mega stardom. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he uh, started jumping up and down on uh, on what Opera Winfrey's couch and went into the entire uh, red bracelet, bracelet gang, um, but yeah, this this one was was lauded very much for its practical effects. Like like I said earlier on, they you know those planes were actually flying because well, it was the eighties. It's not like they could just draw one on a computer and um, the make a model of one. Damn, yeah, you can make a model of one. They could have just, just chucked that about the Ferguson side with their planes coming back. <laughs> Yeah, outside Weatherspoons on a uh, on a cold January morning. Yeah, um, it's a fifteen. The soundtrack... by the way. Say again. It's a fifteen, by the way, according to oh, IMDb. Ah, oh, that's bollocks. They've changed it. They've changed right. it. <laughs> and uh, this this um, this soundtrack went to number one uh, in the Billboard chart, mm-hmm. and it was one of the. It's it's in terms of numbers, it's the one of the most successful. Um, soundtracks to a movie and it, it kind of beat movies like Greece and Staying Alive which wow. uh, which were obviously massive in the uh, in the late 70s and uh, and this this one's a weird one but it kind of made the navy cool and uh, they saw a surge in people signing up to join the navy after this Shit. film so, so it, uh, it did more for the navy than the village people's in the navy yeah apparently so i mean <laughs> imagine imagine a montage of those planes flying yeah. with people you know with a cowboy singing we want you as a new recruit well, that's what i'm saying because they were pretty direct with that song we want you we want you as a new recruit i mean they're saying what they need it's not like they're going the navy looks fun do you like the navy they're actually saying we want you we need men yeah they do need men i think i'll, I'll be very careful i'll talk about that but um so yeah we're going to move on over society so uh Tony Scott directing Neil. Do you know much of Tony Scott's work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's maybe a little bit better than his brother Ridley. Oh, so he's Ridley Scott's brother, mm. isn't he? That's right. So, mm. what's your favourite yeah. Tony Scott film that isn't Top Gun, Neil? Um, it's a good question. This uh, round, because I don't think I've seen any of them. Oh, now, what romance, Neil? True romance. Yeah, it will be true romance. But he, yeah, this was the start of a, we'll maybe get onto it, but the editor of this film was someone called Chris Lebenzen and someone else. And Tony Scott and Chris Lebenzen started a collaboration where they basically, Chris edited all of his subsequent films. And he they sort of defined that summer blockbuster style. Of, the look. Yeah, and just the style of editing, that slightly faster cuts, um, and yeah, they defined it basically with the, with Top Gun, and then just sort of finessed it film after film after film. That kind of frenetic editing when needed, um, slightly MTV maybe, um, and and yeah, it's 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 era, it's not just era defining. It's sort of a, a starting point for like how American blockbusters 
would later be cut throughout the rest of the 90s, I would argue anyway. Would you argue, though, that he had to sort of edit it a bit like that? Anyway, because you've got dogfights, you know, so when you look at Star yeah. Wars, there's bits of this that remind me of Star Wars, which I know part yeah. of the, the TIE fighter stuff was taking off old dogfights from before that anyway. Yeah. So do you think that they've kind of done that whole, you need that, you can't have a plane just flying into shot for absolutely ages for 15 well, minutes, he, and then another one, you know? They, they had a challenge in the edit suite because those scenes are a mixture of footage shot um, with cameras on like the wings of the plane. So like yeah. planes flying past each other. Footage shot from like the ground, just looking up. And footage shot sort of from a, a like a, a by another plane just in the distance going slowly. But then all the in the all the cockpit footage is in a studio. It's not in a plane. Oh, I was gonna ask plane. that. I was gonna ask if they're actually in the buggers. No, they're, they're in a studio and it's like a, it's probably got some mechanical sort of moving left and right stuff. Mm. Um, and so like to bring all that together, like in a coherent way and tell like, like the dogfights all have their own little story. Um, it was probably quite a challenge. And I think that the reason why it's sort of cut quite fast is because you've got planes moving fast, but you also, you've got to, You've got to merge that studio footage with all the sort of real planes flying around footage and make it feel believable. There's a few shots. I watched it yesterday. There's a few shots where you can see there, the, like the, the, at the beginning where the Maverick flies, reverses and flies on top. Mm. There's a shot there that looks a bit ropey. Um, I mean, where they're not Neil, I've got to be honest off. with you. I'm going to open a lot of rope in a minute. Dan, you know when you were watching this <laughs> the, uh, 1989, did you, did you think the editing was up to much muster or were you happy with it because it was just fast planes? Which were fast? Come to your ship. Fast planes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I like, fast, fast planes and, it, and he's flipping up the geese and he's flying upside down. On. This is oh. it because you don't realise it because it's all been done for you. The magic of the edits, you know, the magic of the, you know, you just take those little bits, those moments, those key, yeah. key instants. So listen, chaps, I'm going to start going through because I've got to get through some of these notes as I do, as always. Um, and I've also, in this one, you'll be glad to hear for those uh, people. I'm going to say as well, thank you for listening. The numbers are slowly growing. We're getting there. Some more people are enjoying passing on the word, saying to me the other day, honestly, that's a good idea for a podcast. That Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the idea why we're doing it, not just for shits and giggles. But um, I'm going to go through here. And also, I found another one of my Ryan's people in the backgrounds, the people who have got that one. Yes, Dan, that's right. I've brought Is another it Tim one. Robbins? He isn't. I just saw his name, didn't realise he was there. So I started with, obviously, the word montage. I started with that kind of little drum beat going in the which I must admit it's not a patch on the labyrinth music which is very similar to that I, I'm not a fan I mean I'll come to you in a second about the guitar Dan why do you like that god awful theme tune because I, I feel like you know there are some that really suck you in and I, and I think during the the episode when we spoke about aliens sorry alien um, when, when, when we when we spoke about that uh, you you mentioned that you know the music can can really suck you in and and you mentioned that uh, I there was one or two scenes where you'd probably look at your phone, you know what I mean? Mm. And I think that that intro kind of makes you go, shit, what's this? this too long, is, um, too long. There was too much where I thought, I get it, I'm on a fucking plane ship. I get where <laughs> we're at. Take off. Did, did did you not sit there and think, oh my god, that's really impressive that they can land a plane on that ship? I bet that's well. Do you, know, do you know why? And you're gonna you're gonna label me as classic rhyme with this. So I have my late night series. I have these things behave. Anyone thinking? I have certain things that I get right into, and I call it my shit. So you you'll know it as things to you, Dan. I was like, what uh, what did I say? Like the repair shop. It's not that. It's things which are gonna be 
maybe nine episodes. It's factual usually. It's something, could be a little bit reality. And it's about something I don't know about. And I just put some knowledge in my head. So at the minute, it's the rise of the Nazis, which I'm rather enjoying <laughs> of an evening. It just makes me feel better about myself. I actually messaged Natalie the other day, a part of my French, but I went, God, Hitler, Hitler was a proper, wasn't he? Um, but also on the BBC, they've got a thing where it's, it's about being on a battleship, a big battleship in the, in the, it's the, the Navy's new one or something or other. And they've got a very similar thing, you know, with the planes on it, but they can take off, off the end, but they can land straight down on it. So obviously it's more modern than these F-14s and stuff. But it's got USA pilots on it and it's got UK, but it's mainly a British ship. But do you know what's interesting to it is I was kind of, I remember saying to Natalie, I was going, God, you won't believe this is real life. We're going off around the world and they're trying to wind up the Russians going, the Russians are going to have a look or the Chinese and they're winding them up. I was going, bloody hell, it's so bloody dangerous. So in a really weird way, I kind of know the reality of what is behind this. So, you know, when you were like saying, did you not see ships? I was like, I've just watched fucking 17 hours of this, Dan. I know exactly. I even know the name of the bloke who cooks the beans, who used to do pills and decided to get away from the bad life and work on a ship. And he met a girl from Dorset. I, this for me is that's ruined it for me. That's what's done it. <laughs> just ruined. It's just ruined it. We it's not go real on, enough. It's stupid. Even the geezers waving the little lollipops around. Not yeah, interested. Bollocks, mate. Jeff supports Spurs. He's actually on the Queen Elizabeth out there now. And also, one lad come off the end. He was a very posh lad. And he had a quick eject and he got hooked on the end. The lads pulled him in. That's real life, real jeopardy. This is just did, some... Did you not see poison. what happened to Goose? Did you not see what happened to Goose? I it's did. real and jeopardy. Do you know what? Do you know what? There's some of the lads who work on the deck on the HMS Queen Elizabeth. If you're listening, lads, God bless you. Um, and they've been reading their books and they know to get away from the situation. Honest to God. It, the second it started, I was going, that's not real. That's all oh, that could be real. <laughs> I fucked it for myself because of this thing. Um, anyway, Neil, do, where do you stand on the uh, awful guitar music? <laughs> By the way, Neil's... Uh, a, I learned to play on the guitar. guitar. Oh my God. Did you play it around your F14 model? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, you have. You fucking have. Yes, Steve Stevens. If you want a real 80s treat, YouTube, um, Top Gun theme, and you'll get the video for the Top Gun theme with Steve Stevens, and you've never seen them. He is the archetypal shred, 80s shred guitarist. He's got big black perm hair going all the way down his shoulders. Yes. And he is like, he is... If you were to draw a cartoon of what an 80s guitarist looks like. Where have I seen him playing with? He was with Billy Idol's guitarist. That's why I recognise him. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. And the video for that is it's him just in different standing on uh, on planes in an American hangar. It's got it Harold Faltermeyer, who composed the score on a grand piano, pretending to play the synth parts. Oh my god! The eightiness of that of that the eightiesness of that sentence you've just said there, Neil, was was absolute crack to me. I really enjoyed everything <laughs> yeah. you just said there. We had we had we had Billy Idol from Ryan. We've had Harold Faltermeyer. We've had the lot, mate. I, I, honestly, that was that was sublime eightiesing. That was. Dan, you know, I like to bring out my Oscars one as well. Did, did you know yep. what Oscar this one? Uh, was it origi- uh, something to do with the soundtrack, wasn't it? Best original music for the song Take My Breath Away, but written by Harold Faltermeyer. And you're going to, Neil, you know, don't you? So I'm not going to, no, it isn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can this one. All I'll give you is this, Neil. Yeah, is, is this, Dan? I only knew you for. Shut up. Was it Phil Oakey? Giorgio Moroder, mate. Oh, is it Giorgio Moroder? Oh, I, I think when I should have zagged there, yeah. I thought, <laughs> I thought Sheffield Joe Rock, Roxy Nightclub uh, band singer was involved in t- Top Gun. 
I don't know if I just owe copyright now. I mean, mine's did I just? I should really know that, really. Um, so yeah, let, oh Christ on a bike. I've got so much written down. I'm going to get moving. Let's do it. Music. Danger zone. I remember this. So danger zone. I remember being on a thing where someone there was arguing in our playground about the lyric. Is it right on to the danger zone? Ride on or right in? Everyone was arguing about what the lyrics actually it, were. It was none of them. What is it? Highway oh, two. two. Yeah, that's it. And so, so it was ride on to. That's what. That's what the argument was. It's ride on to the danger zone. But you're saying it's highway two. Highway. Neil, tell me I'm right here. Come on, because I've been singing it wrong for thirty odd years now. I, 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 I don't know. I thought it was highway to the danger zone. Yeah. I do. I watched. I remember watching like um, a DVD special feature on my yeah. Top Gun DVD. Um, and Kenny Loggins mm-hmm. says he was really influenced by Tina Turner in that period of his life. So he's trying to sing like Tina Turner. I'm going to say, this isn't as bad as you think, lads, because actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and give it a little bit for this verse. Revving up your engine, listening to her howling roar, sexist. Metal under tension. You want to have that looked at because I tell you what, I've been watching the HMS uh, Queen Elizabeth. That will cause issues. Begging you to touch and go. Oh, Kenny, you dirty little bitch. You've gone for that little, oh, I'm talking about planes and ladies. Highway to the danger zone, ride into the danger zone. He says both. So that's probably why. Uh, and there other Kings is uh, <laughs> are available. God, that is a that song is poor. I'm not having it either, Dan. I mean, you look at your face. Do you like Danger Zone, Dan? <laughs> I, I used to DJ in an 80s bar. Can you imagine how many times I've heard this fucking song? No, I can, to be fair. Neil, are you a fan of the Danger Zone? Have you ever been in a Danger Zone? Yeah. <laughs> Why? This, it's a classic tune. It's a classic film, but it's a classic tune. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the lo- the Loggins man. I must say, I've seen too much of his uh, of his bad. What was the other tune he did? Kenny Loggins. What's his other famous one? Footloose. Oh, Footloose. Because now that's now that yeah. I have randomly actually seen. Anyway, let's get going on with the notes. What I've got here is uh, pilots goofing about. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I'd add it in by them for about five minutes into this. All that kind of like turning their heads around. Hey, bloody hell, man! What's going on? And you you stop doing that. And hey, up! What's going on here? Flipping the bird, taking pictures of people. Is this your idea of fun, man? watch the birdie jeez i cracked myself up honest to god i'd had enough of them by that point is is, what am i missing is is it because if i was 10 years old i think they were a bit cheeky is that what it is i think i think that what this would be referred to uh nowadays is grab ass you know what I mean? It's got a lot of 80s man grab ass, like men are in charge, guy blokes, men, men, lads being men, lads, lads. You know Which what I mean? Why so, I think I hate it because I je- you've seen that thing doing the rounds of that bloke who's that plasterer who's doing that dance. Yeah. Twitter. Natalie sent me and I just put die. Um, because I just. Which I don't wish that much ill on people, but I was just kind of like, I can't, I'm not that good with all that manly kind of like bloke mm. kind of stuff like that. Mm. Um, but Neil, how pleased I was once they stopped pissing about in the sky to see Mr. Strickland from uh, <laughs> Back to the Future turning up. And I thought, well, do you know what? He gave yeah. a load of shit in 55 or when it was 85. So I'm not surprised a year later, he's heading up the Navy. I don't know who exactly. the But yeah, he's, he's, he's known for being the authoritarian bloke uh yeah i guess so i guess so i don't know who that actor is he's he's amazing in back to the future and he's even better in top gun he's cool hang on hang on hang on you're forgetting his role as the uh as the copper in masters of the universe featuring dolph lundgren and frank langella (laughs) 
Dan, uh, I've seen it, but I, this randomly I saw in 88 or whenever it came out and I haven't seen it since, so I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's the copper in that. He's the authority, he's the authority figure in that as well. He's called he is, James yeah. Vulcan. Yeah. Uh, not Tolkien. Uh, so I thought I'd get more reaction from him being in because I thought I was, like, oh, I was chuffed I could see him in the middle of this. I thought he was going to sort shit out. Um, yeah, there's just bits like where they're talking across the wings to each other, like they're just sat next to each other, which they probably were in a studio from what Neil said, but it was just like, it was going, hey, you, you're a... And obviously, Cougar has a bit of an issue. And what we're meant to think at this point when Cougar has his freak out, he gets all sweaty, doesn't he? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, your hum-hum sets me up nicely to say, in this film, I think four times I've written... Everyone is sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> sweating again. Why? Lots more sweating. There's a, even like in the control room. Like, why is everyone so sodding sweaty? Is that, a, is that an 80s because trope? It's, because Tom, if, it's stressful. Yeah, I, I get it that it's hot, but like, it just seems like someone's done the old uh, plant spray gun on people and gone like, we need a bit of sheen there on, uh, on Bill Mahogany over there, you know, at the front with his... Uh, it's... It's the it's the eighties era. I think um, Tony Tony Scott um, oh, yeah. was trying to do a sort of glossy, sort of slightly um, risk not risque. I don't know. He was sort of influenced by sort of magazine high end photography, magazine modeling sort of. Tatler, you mean Neil? Like so Tatler, yeah, that kind of like ooh, I've got these good looking. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Because we're going we're to beat about the bush. This is a uh, this is a dream yeah. of a film if you like the male form, uh, but almost too much to the point at times. There's a bits where you're going, I don't know, Tony. I feel like you're a bit of a uh, a ringmaster for the, uh, the the abdominals. You know, is there any chance to get someone in a towel or some white knickers, to, uh, knickers pants? Uh, Tony's on it. You know, it seems like there's a where is it? Is it? We've got Animal Night coming up straight away where they go to the bar. Yeah. And the lads are straight in there, aren't they, Dan? It's, I mean, it's nothing like what we do at Butlins when you're that business. It's a very different world. Everyone's in their white looking crisp. But it's starts- with the bloody women stood at the door again. It just fucks me off every time I see it where it's like, here's the it, girl. It does. It does. Now, I, I tell you this, I've lived this life, right? So you're I, I spent, now I spent some time on the cruise ships, right? And I, and I need to explain this to you because I find it mental, right? So you've got these... Um, You've got these guys who wear what they refer to as their whites. Yeah. So these naval uniforms, they're all the white trousers, white shoes, white shoes, white short sleeve top. And they've, they've all got like their stripes on. Yeah? yeah. Now you've always got these big Samoan looking motherfuckers that work on the ship, right? They're all massive. They're all huge. And for no reason whatsoever, they put their whites on to go and sit in the crew decks to see if they can just uh, kind of, you know, like, hmm. like an olden day version of Stone Island, get the badging. You know what I mean with the with the stripes, yeah, yeah. and and they sit there, and there are, and it fucking annoys me to death that there are women that find this appealing. They're like walk up and going, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And bear in mind, I'm stood there trying to craft my my entire patter to see if I could chat at women, and there's just these where your wives. There's just these big Maui-looking motherfuckers who are all like, "Oh, hey, I got my fucking thing on." Then you go, "Oh, all right, then, sick. I'll just sit here then, chop liver fudge in the corner here." And I think that's probably been forever. Like my granddad, who's from Dinnington, the same town as you, would say that, you know, in the war, he's a 20-year-old, he's got his uniform on. It was a dash. It made you look, you know, everyone can wear the tank top and look like bloody, what do you call it, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. I'm talking about 2011. I know you are, but it's still a thing. I think uniform is something, um, I've got, I love switching these questions. Neil, have you ever been influenced by a uniform? Uh, no. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, girls like a guy in uniform, though, don't they? 
I don't well, know. There's all right, I'll tell you what then. There's a bloke that sweeps up the shit outside my house. Tell you what, <laughs> let, let's get him in his uniform and bring him out down the boozer I run and see how many birds he goes home with. Let's, let's catch it up there. It's uniform of authority or otherworldliness. I do. It might be chief bloody bin shit kicker, like you know what I mean? I don't know. It might be it might have his own department. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's it is freaky how much because he leads on to a bit that's coming up in a minute. Um, well, I've just put toilet creepiness. Yeah. Because what does Tom Cruise do? He goes into the women's bogs and starts grabbing. And it's like, I know we shouldn't be surprised in some ways because Neil, you'll have heard on the other pods that we're doing where we go, it's kind of what they did. And obviously being the fathers of young daughters as we are, we're hoping the world's a different place for that. However, it still just blows my nugget when I see things like this. He's going, hey, so I'm just following you into the toilets. So what the fuck? It was the 80s. I know, I know. It's difficult because, you know, we do want our, our kids to go up one day and hear these podcasts and go, you remember that time dad and uh, Uncle Ryan were on the old thing? <laughs> I'll tell you what, listen, so, uh, you know, and, and and to try and legitimize going into le- women's to this. So, you know, you get what, what gets referred to now as gammon on social media types, like, you know, you know on, on the internet, you get, you get gammon, right? And the reason that they're so angry about the world is that those days, yeah. what they would refer to as the good old days, have died, and they can't do what what essentially is the is the 80s equivalent of what would be called gypsy grabbing now. You know what I mean? Come here, bird. You know, like we talked about during Nightmare on Elm Street about that guy grabbing the girl around yes, the neck. that's right. Grabbed upstairs, yeah. Yeah, and, and those are the good old days that the gammons are missing mm. because, you know, apparently that's how you used to get women. You didn't have to be witty or charming back in the 80s. You just had to chuck on your best bin sweeping outfit. Your white son. Yeah, <laughs> your white son. Could be a chef, could be in the Navy, don't matter. And then just go and physically assault some people. And apparently those are the good old days that they yearn for. Anyway, let's move on. I'm Charlotte Blackwood. I'm Maverick. Maverick? Does your mother not like you or something? No, it's my call sign. You're a pilot. That's right, a naval aviator. Let's move on to uh, the Righteous Brothers because um, for those of you who have, uh, you know, it seems like most of you listen to our pod have either been derived from me and Dan liking Forrest and Sheffield Wednesday. But yeah, I've wondered for a long time why when my football team or if you, anyone's listening to a broad soccer team or whatever, Nottingham Forest, if we score a goal, uh, which happened hasn't happened as much recently, uh, we sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. And uh, we've discussed it for years. No one seems to know where it came from, why it started. Some people, if you do have an answer, excuse me, tend to go Top Gun. One of the fans liked it in Top Gun, so we started singing it. Um, and it is weird. We get as far about as they do in the bar where that uh, other fellow grabs the mic off Tom Cruise and starts going, baby, baby, I get down on my knees. But it is a really random thing. And I must admit, it did get me a bit. It always gets me anyway. It's like our song. It's what we sing. Um, and even the initials, I've just put YLTLF because I know what that is because I write it all the time on Forest stuff. So, I mean, it's an atrocious rendition, isn't it, Dan? It's not a good singing that done there by old Tom Cruise. <laughs> No, it's, it's it's not going to win any awards, any Oscars for that, is it? It might get a Brit award because it was the 80s, but you know what I mean? There was there was nothing happening there. And then but then it gets it kind of gets legitimized by that bit that you talk about when the gig goes, baby, baby. Yeah. Oh, Tom was the good singer out of that lot, was he? But at the end, I don't mind it. But it's just like, and then she's she's very sassy though. I like do you know what? There's different ages for different things. And what I find quite funny is at the start, she's with some chap, isn't she? We never really find out who it is, do we? Who she's just within the bar, that older looking chap. So Tom Cruise is trying to pull her. 
and she she's with someone. She's sorry, my friend's here. And goes and sits. Mm-hmm. With He's got grey hair compared to everybody else. And she kind of just leaves him, doesn't she, when she gets accosted in the bathroom? She does. But what I find funny is, uh, to me, she looks a bit too old for Tom Cruise anyway. So in terms yeah. of all who's older and who's not, so I find it quite funny that they're sort of mocking. Oh, she's with that older man. Well, that's because maybe he's her age. Do you know what I mean, Tom Cruise looks like a baby in this film, doesn't he? So he's a, it's a young whippersnapper thing. And do you know, what? I knew when I was writing this down, some parts of this would be difficult because I'd just be going, lads, what do you think about trying to grab women in the toilets? Neil, awful, done. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, what do you think about his singing? Shit, shit. Okay, so let's move on to plain porn. Uh, now, we spoke about it earlier on with other ways. Neil, you must have been off your nuts watching all these planes with your F-14 in your hands. You must have been absolutely up Spangle Highway. It's the the bit that is always gets me excited is the bit when Tom Cruise he's he's being chased and he's trying to break away and not get shot and he says that line I'm gonna break and he's gonna fly right by and I'm like yes <laughs> and he and I don't know how you break in a plane what is breaking in a plane um, and 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 it's just yeah it's like it feels like the most exciting thing to do. He flies up in the air and then tells Neil, once he's done this and he's getting his, for those who don't know, but basically you're not missing a great thing, not knowing the story. Load of young blokes, some of them sexually yeah. aggressive towards women, really good at flying planes. They're trying to get points, like some weird fucking gladiator thing to be the best of something. No one gives a shit. Really, there is no real fucking story. And when they've done that, what happens then? Do you remember what he does with the older tower to celebrate getting some points, Neil? He buzzes the tower. Tower, this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. No, no, ma'am, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to buzz the tower. He does, he buzzes the tower, and he does a flyby, a low flyby. And what happens to the man in the tower, Neil? He has coffee, his coffee cup. Well, he gets buzzed, so he spills his coffee all over him. Fucking awful, the reaction. You're working for the bloody Navy with planes around. How are you shocked by that? And it's just like all over him. Oh, bloody, 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 I love you. Dan, save me on this one. That's shonky, isn't it? This is the, this is the first of a couple of tropes that, that we see. So you have the uh, introduction by hookup. Is the, is the name of that one because he tries to chat up what then turns out to be the uh, yeah. the instructor uh, in oh, the uh, classic in Walks the thing. In the oh, God, I can't believe that was the bird that I tried to chat up with me gypsy grabbing. And then the other one, it's like a comic relief, isn't it? Because I think that coffee thing happens once or twice, doesn't it? Oh, it's well, not- do you know what? I'm just in case you go to it, I'm going to award my best person in the background. Some bloke comes along with two cups of coffee. He looks really weedy compared to most of these Adonai. Is it Adonisai? I don't know. I'm going to pick that as my plural. Adonisies? He looks like um, Napoleon Dynamite's brother. I think it's Kip. <laughs> Or whatever he's called. He's got a little pencil-y tash and like Henry V's haircut. And he's walking on with two cups of coffee and it's after he's done the tower thing. So I'm like, get him out of my office! And obviously the two cups of coffee go all over this bloke. He doesn't speak. He just gets yeah. twisted with coffee. And instantly I went, he's got my award. So this is down here, coffee incidents. Well, I, so, you know, <laughs> there's the coffee and incident as well. So that's the, you've got the two tropes there, the one where the um, the introduction by hookup and then, and then the coffee commonly. But then there's the other one. Which is which is quite big in a lot of eighties movies, and it carries on for another good number of years. Where there's no real recrimination, you know what I mean? So, no so like for some reason, yeah, no one gets in trouble. Like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. But God damn it, you're a great fighter. You know yeah. what I mean? There's no real. Yeah, you get killed for that in the in real life. There is there is a lot of times when you go in. The authority here has gone to shit. Yeah, absolutely. 
No one sorts himself. But that's because there's no real jeopardy. Neil, would you say no. that in certain films, like with Alien, which you watched last week, right? I was completely in there because mm-hmm. I, A, didn't see the beast very often, which I think is always a killer. And it's a great thing to do. I think a clove, is it Cloverfield where it's in there as well? You know, Blair Witch, mm-hmm. certain ones like that. It just does you better not to see it. Less is more and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It alters the way you have to tell your stories. But in this, if there is no real jeopardy and you don't really give a shit, you have to either be a Tom Cruise fan in this situation or really like the Ferguson household in the early 90s. Yeah. In Love Planes. I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's better to think of the film as a coming-of-age drama and that what, Neil? No, Neil! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? No, no, I'm okay with it because I'm Ponzi. But Dan Fudge, Neil Ferguson, <laughs> coming-of-age. A coming-of-age movie is something like Juno. But right? if you think of Maverick, if you think of Maverick, he's not really grown up yet. He's an amazing pilot who who does what he wants and doesn't play by the rules. Raper. And And he's got to learn how to... Um, play by the rules without forsaking his natural ability. And he's got to grow up, basically. It is a co- he's, he's still, like you said, he's Neil. basically behaving like a teenager in the film. Neil, this movie yes. is nothing more than big boys in boots flying around. <laughs> just, just literally just going, look how macho I am. I'm going to gypsy grab this chick. I've got my bin outfit on. That's all it is. It's just absolute so Dan, Dan, can you imagine like boom? You imagine like Hunter's Bar Roundabout, yeah. two in the morning, just been to the Yummy Hut. So, what do you think about Karate Kid Three? Yeah. Well, I think the uh, substantial reasoning behind the toe move done by uh, yeah. Dan. Oh yeah, mate. <laughs> Bang on. Yeah, we wondered why we came out. It's, it's crashy, bangy, shouty, plainy movie. There is <laughs> degrees. We had to. I remember once we very early doing media, and I'd gone there to be a sports journalist. It's like I just want to just do. Mm. Brian Freebro over the World Cup final. Here we go. And instead, it was just. I remember one of the first things we got set was something like, "There was nowhere for them to go. What could they do? What does this say about the Russian press in 1922?" And I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck has happened here?" <laughs> oh. That's better. <laughs> just get through. Um, let's move on slightly from. I, I, do you know what? I do get what you mean, Neil. I'm not just trying to be the uh, no, no, it's cool. uh, the man in the middle. He is a young dick, but quite clearly using that as well. And but then you try. They're trying to make you feel a bit sorry for him. Like, oh, he's dad. He has those moments with a sad guitar. It's like, do yeah, a little classical guitar. Yeah, yeah. Looking at a crumpled old bit of paper that says "dead dad" on it or something like. Yeah, yeah. Bloody hell, he's gone. I have to move to volleyball. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you both the opportunity to say one or two words. So let's break it down. I'm going to say volleyball, and I want you to tell me the three words that you associate with the volleyball scene in Top Gun after I've said it. I'm going to start with you, Neil. It's probably going to be coming of age. But anyway, uh, volleyball, <laughs> volleyball, give me three words that come to your mind straight away. Uh, homoerotic, um, uh, posing. Okay, nice. I think homoerotic may be hyphen, but I, I'm not too sure. We'll, we'll take it. I don't know. <laughs> don't <remind me. laughs> anyway, uh, Dan, volleyball. Just lads playing. <laughs> just a My couple man. of lads having a game of, of, of you know, staying in shape. They're all in good shape. They're just having a game of volleyball, just getting a bit competitive. I don't, I don't know what you're on about, lads. Says more about you than me, Freudian Smith. <laughs> I mean, we've already had the words big Samoan bastard, whatever it was. So I, I, we could be borderline banned anyway. So I'm going to tell this story. So years ago in Brighton, I worked for American Express and I'd had what we would call back then a late night, as in hadn't been to bed, remembered I had work. So 
And at the time, I was packing some serious heat around the waist and the top half of the body and was probably very close to a coronary situation. Anyway, so I'm with my mate at this house and go, it's six in the morning. I got work. You got work. Yeah, come on, let's go into town. I'm still wearing my suit from yesterday. Yeah, let's go to work. Fine. Went to work. Sit in the office. Two minutes in. Hey, you know, everyone, we've got that meeting today at nine. Brilliant. Got a meeting. Can't go and lie in the toilet and sleep. But in the meeting, and it's intense. There's like six or seven people. So yeah, that's it. Has everyone got those files? Yep. Everyone got that? Stats? Ryan, that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, fine. Good. Here we go. Next bit. They went, and all remember, to be, we'll be meeting today at Yellow Wave at two o'clock for the volleyball tournament. And I'll go, what? <laughs> so quickly, I, and this one bloke taps me, massive bloke, bald head, about three times my size. And he went, yes, I'm Ivan, you and my team? Because they're just giving you random teams. There's me, this beautiful German girl, this massive Polish guy and a young looking lad. I thought we're out first round, it'll be okay. I run into town, get myself a headband, XXXL top and some shorts. Just, just haven't been to sleep now for nearly 30 plus hours. I'm in a right pickle. I'm hurting all over. I'm having to do work. And now I've just been told I'm being sent to play volleyball at two o'clock in the fucking summer. So we go down to Yellow Wave. Everything's fine. I forget that I quite like this German girl. She starts mesmerizing me on the pitch. The Polish guy's spiking everywhere. We win the first round. My mates are down there. I'm chewing the side of my lip off. You can work that one out for yourself. I am a, there are pictures of this. My friends are crying, going, he's dead. How is he moving? I keep getting points in. We can get out the group. We're into the quarters. It's now gone on for two and a half hours. I am covered in sand and I want to die. We make the final. They give me a silver medal, which I still cherish as one of the greatest feats of human en endurance. <laughs> ever seen and i decided in my wisdom to go out and have a few drinks and see if i can make it to 48 <laughs> i didn't now my point when you say volleyball is he's playing in fucking jeans that's chafing that's what <laughs> <laughs> my ass was in tatters and i had shorts on and tom cruise is playing in jeans and it's a warm day i'm telling you now they're like cheddar cheddar cheese <laughs> it's gone wrong anyway it's a very long story and i hope everyone who listens to it will forgive me but uh, thoughts on that damn playing in jeans or anything i've just mentioned about uh, you know 48 hour volleyball tournaments the um that's a trope apparently uh so i i i, I was trying to work out cuz this gets this gets wheeled out quite a lot neil doesn't it about people saying uh, that this is quite a homoerotic scene yeah yeah and um and the name of the trope is called ho yay and ho sound is short for homoeroticism and it's homeroticism, yay! And uh, I'm going to read it word for word. Well, you know the uh, the website I found because I don't want it to become my words. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to read it verbatim. Yeah, yeah. It says those moments of plot, dialogue, acting, etc., that fans delight in interpreting as homoerotic. Uh, it probably originates from the old days when homosexuality taboo was serious enough that every gay pairing was considered a crack pairing. So when authors wrote same-sex characters as very intimate with each other, audiences largely accepted they were just very good friends and moved on. Or when authors wrote outright references to homosexuality, most just laughed at the sheer absurdity of the thought. So that's that's where it comes from. And the picture is uh, Spock and Kirk uh, from when one of them's dying. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, Chewie and Han Solo. The only reason no one gives yeah. that shit is because it's interspecial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 if they'd have watched some of the some of the old Star Treks, they'd have realised that interspecial uh, relations ain't sniffed at on BBC Two at six pm. I'm happy with anyone finding love, whoever you are. So I'm I'm going to tie this in because do you know what actually, Dan, that could have gone on my what I knew before as well. I remember people just doing it up there with like the uh, is it in Rocky where you got the two bicep arms going? What that? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Predator. You're oh, with son of a bitch. Yeah. 
Oh, no, obviously, obviously not seen it. So I'm going to call, go on from volleyball where I've put jeans to leather in heat. Now, what I mean by that is he gets on his bike and goes to see Kelly and it's a warm day. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I agree. You should always drive a motorbike responsibly, but fuck me. He must be warm. And I was thinking that when he got off, he's got that big sheepskin leather jacket on. And what's the first thing he says when he gets to her house? Can I have a shower? And I thought, do you know what? Clever. You've just played volleyball in your jeans and you've got a hot top on. I'm not surprised. You must absolutely stink. Yeah, yeah. He's probably got yeah. what they call in the hospitality business, chef's ass. Now, <laughs> now, there's a trick that a lot of chefs do with uh, with cornflour that I don't want to go into detail with. But, you know, going for a shower, I wasn't unhappy to hear that. No. And then it took me a second to get, you know, probably get back on. The, I've been happy in a relationship for quite a while now to go, oh, that move. Mm. Now, it is a weird move, though, I must admit, you know, because he's not been around our house before. And, just going to get a shower. Now, any lady or gentleman the other way around worth their salt goes, yeah, go on then. You brought a towel or something? You know, you don't don't make it dirty at that point because you're in trouble. You don't want to get in a confined space with a man with an erection, I'll tell you that, on a Tuesday afternoon, especially when he's been playing volleyball with his mates. Hey, yeah, whatever it's called, I've lost it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she throws him out from that and basically goes, no. And I hope we've got more to speak about because the next thing I put is computers, poor quality. So... <laughs> Neil, did did you find there was a tension building when she, uh, you know, rebuke, rebukes uh, Maverick's uh, advances? Yeah, well, she's 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 playing with him. She's playing with him like she like he, an airfix toy. Like an airfix airfix toy. You know, she's trying to he she he he is meant to stink at that point, and she knows it, and she doesn't want to admit that she's into him, but she still wants that tension. And and so yeah, she's toying with him. The interesting thing about that moment in the film is that is the beginning of like a romantic scene, and they they sort of chill out together. Was and it, at the end of the scene, as well, that's where the Berlin song refrains for the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end of the scene, he leaves for a shower, and he says, "I've got to go have a shower" because he's not allowed to have a shower at hers. She won't let him, so he just leaves. Yeah. And then originally, you didn't have. Um, the next scene in the elevator. I don't know if you remember. The next scene is in an elevator where they meet again in an elevator. That yeah. was a reshoot. Oh, was it? So that was done after they'd done a like a first pass of the edit, and the producers were like, they were confused as to exactly the dynamics of their relationship at that point in the film, and they wanted it a bit more clarifying. And so that it was a reshoot, and they went and reshot it. And the reason why she's wearing different clothes. Yeah, yeah. got the hat on and the vest and stuff. And yeah, it's because she was um, the actress was filming a different film. She had different color hair, or or, or oh. her hair was short, or something. So she had changed, and so they needed to dress her differently to hide the fact that her hair was very different. I must, I must basically. admit, I got the, I got how the scene worked of going because she went, oh, you've had your shower now, whatever, because he's has, and I thought, God, she got there quick, and she's got changed. Why she got that hat on? Because it almost suggested that they had done something and she was wearing his jacket or something, you know? So it was a bit... Yeah, of a yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, go on. There's, there's a really weird bit. I uh, The reason I said that was fascinating, Neil, is that there's like a... um The the relationship between the two of them kind of pisses me off because there's a there's a very much a... We, we need to get a bird in here, fop, fop block. You know what I mean? It, it, it's very much got like that. Robocop. Yeah, essentially, and and here is a woman who is a what is she? She's an astrophysicist, right? She's got a great career already, especially for a woman in the eighties in in what's essentially a male led, a male dominant area in the navy, yeah. and, she, and she's coming in and showing these guys how it is. But 
hooks up with this guy because he's he's a bitch, man. God damn it. It's not just a clever name, Maverick. You know what I mean? And it kind of like, oh, I no, there was part of me that was like, yeah, get out, dickhead, when she when she does it to start with. And, and I really like that about it. But, no, but then when they finally hook up, you're kind of like, oh, you fucking yeah. ruined it. If, yeah, it, a little bit. Like she just suddenly sort of flips and just becomes quite gooey and romantic and loses her edge. I think it's film. because I like the way she does say about I won't go with students and whatever, which is always usually a good maxim to live life by. Uh, let's just put yeah. that out there. There's not many films where you go, oh, it's shit. I like fucking with students usually. So uh, it's quite good that she said that. That's actually a very positive thing. Uh, and obviously you're getting that she's meant to be a bit older than these teens or whatever old they are, like top end, early 20s. Mm. Uh, but like you say, there's a moment where he he quite clearly has been chasing her then just sort of goes, I'm off for a shower. And then she's like, oh, okay. Well, and whatever, I'll go and do another film and I'll come back with different air. Uh, but now I've written Bike, Take My Breath Away. Now, this song was everywhere. I was mad on my music around this time. I remember the girl um, from the uh, Berlin, wasn't it, the band? Mm-hmm. About the wreckage of a plane and it was all yeah. like swamped. It looked a bit like Dago Bar, to be honest, if you like your Star Wars. I used to be a bit confused if Yoda was going to go, my, my brother, or something like sorry, that. sorry, how do you pronounce it? Dago Bar. <laughs> what did you say? Did you say Dago Bar? Dago Bar. Don't say it like that. I'll say it how the fuck I want. It's a it's no. You'll a, get you'll get your head kicked in in Spain. Don't call it Dago Bar. No. <laughs> Jesus wept. Dago Bar. Dagoba. 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 Don't call it Dago Bar. Neil, how is it said? Where does I would have I would have said Dago Bar. It is Dago Bar. Stop saying Dago Bar. Dago Bar. Dago. I don't care. Because I don't think there'll be anyone who's listening in Spain. And if it is, it's a malanthrop. And if that's not the proper word, that's what I'm going to call it. What is a malanthrop? Types. Um, so anyway, Yoda is from Dagobah. It's Dagobah. Fuck you. I've ruined it for you now, haven't I? No, you have not. Do you know what? So today at work, we had people coming in from Selfridges, and I had to mention about the fact that once when I went in there to train, they hadn't sold any of our fridges and said, sell fridges. And they were like, yeah. Yeah, we've never heard that one before. But I genuinely was surprised. I never even realized that your name is Selfridges when you didn't sell any fucking fridges. Anyway, um, so they then have what I've written here, blue light shagging. Mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's an eighties trope. That's an eighties. Because if it's red, it's yeah. cash has exchanged hands. Yeah, so it has to go blue. Which is is that where we get a bit of blue from? Bit of blue for dads. Is that what it? Yeah, it's a classic eighties. Technically, like a lot of films in like eighties when they have the love scene, it's all very blue. It's all blue, 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 blue. It means it means real love as opposed to you know. Because I Neil, I could also imagine it meaning you want to put a bit heating on because. The last thing may get cold. You know? But do you know what? I've been thinking about it when you're saying it, Dan. The more I think of other colours, green and brown, far too earthy. Red, far too, well, maybe erotic or Shannon Tweed, you know, Channel 5. Yeah. films has become Red Shoe Diaries. Yellow. I'm trying to think. What, so, yeah, by the way, if you're listening to this and you want to message us with your favourite erotic colour, uh, we'll be glad to discuss it. Remembering I'm colourblind, so I can't probably see most of it. I think it's... And you have uh, a I've just done a I just done a hasty Google while you were talking yeah. about it there, and it is to do with warmth. It is to do with the temperature, which is weird because you know, as you mentioned before, Ryan, that um, when you have a blue state, you know, Wednesday and, and Forest, and when you have a blue stadium, to me, a red stadium looks dirty, and to you, a blue stadium looks cold. Yeah, but for some reason, they they they've plumped the other way around, mate. So you're telling me that Sheffield Wednesday wear the colours of love? Yeah, well, that's it, mate. <laughs> Top shaggers. And Coventry City, Neil, is that? Is yeah. That sky blue. Yeah. Oh, it's really dirty. Very, yeah. 
yeah. yeah, go for it, go for it, City, 1987, step on. So yeah. what that has led me to is I've written underneath sex in films. I'm not right. thinking about it. I've never really thought about it like this. So this was one of the reasons I think my mum and dad wouldn't let me often watch these films as a kid. Or if something come on the TV, you know, which they couldn't, you know, know was coming, they'd be like, oh, Rudy Nudies. That's what they always used to say and like make me look away. And it was a bit like, a, and I guess, you know, being a father of a two-year-old now, I kind of go, yeah, I get it. You kind of want kids to be kids as long as they can and whatnot. You know, you're going to find out one day anyhow. But like sex is a funny thing in a film because when I was seeing like the way they were humping and sliding about and God knows what, I was thinking, I don't know, is this a male, female thing? Is this just a generational thing? But I was just kind of going, I just kind of want to get on with the shit story now and get the film. <laughs> I know. And is it, you know, maybe when you're younger and you've not had experience or something, it is a titillation and a fascination. But uh, I'll start with you, Neil. What, where's your thoughts on this? Because obviously some films, I'm not talking about spicy top shelfers. I'm talking about something where... Is there a real reason? Is there conversations where someone might go, do we need that? Is the suggestion of hotter? This, you know, and, and this is probably the different. Yeah, this is probably the first sex scene I ever watched as a kid. Um, yeah. And I was watching it yesterday with a wife. And mm. uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I asked her, is this a hot scene? And she said, um, it I like the way you asked on. her. I'm she might have said, she, no, is this a hot scene? <laughs> She Can said they're going, it's all a bit, she said it, it's all, there's not, there's not enough movement or something like that is what she said. Friction. And it could have gone on a bit longer. Well, well I mean, yeah, I hope your neighbours weren't listening on that one. <laughs> but yeah. I know what you mean. I think there is, obviously there is, <laughs> isn't it funny how like when you, I remember Billy Connolly um, doing that sketch about a kiddie scene on a talent show and he's going yeah. like, oh, there's this kid and he's going like, I'm going to love you forever singing like that on a talent show he went you're six you haven't even got any pubes <laughs> yeah. he said, who are you gonna love forever he's like i won't love you baby he's like, kind of singing it's like when you're younger you think it's like oh yeah i'll do it all day i'm gonna do it all night and it's just like the older you get it's like star trek's all intense <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm a busy by. man <laughs> yeah. Dan, I, um, thoughts on uh sex in films I, you know, I'm like you, Ryan. I I didn't feel like it added anything to have to have a sex scene in it. You know, there are a few. And I'll be honest, when I watched this movie back recently, I was on a I was on a plane. I was on a big long plane journey. I thought, oh, Top Gun's on it. We're, we're recording that in a couple of days. I'll mm-hmm. I'll watch it. So I'm sat watching it, and you're very aware that you're on a plane, and you watch it. You know what I mean? And everybody can see your screen who's sat behind you, which yeah. was weird in itself. But I just kind of tapped it forward thirty seconds a couple of times because it, it, it just it was just. Oh. No, just on the on the screen. It yeah. was just kind of needless to to make it like that. And then and then you're right when you think of it as you know something bigger. Like, does it add anything to it? So, for example, movies like Basic Instinct and Sliver and stuff like that, where the sex scenes are quite graphic. Mm. These are these are sex movies. You know, these are sex uh, erotic thrillers, as it were. But then then there's other sex sex scenes in in movies like. You know, Dan Aykroyd getting a blowjob off a ghost, which is absolutely completely needless. I mean, what's the point in that? <laughs> is that Ghostbusters in it? <laughs> it is Ghostbusters in it. I just yeah, it didn't happen yeah. in bloody my girl, did it? I didn't realize down in the funeral parlor. You yeah, can't see without his glasses. Oh, it, it, it's it's part of a montage, <laughs> and the ghost undoes yeah. Dan Aykroyd's belt. You know you're like, what? He goes cross-eyed, doesn't he? Doesn't he go yeah. cross-eyed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a point. No plasm. Um, but no, I, you know what, I genuinely think it's probably got a lot to do with your own experiences. But this is kind of what Kermo has kind of said on Things for Ages. 
often films the the machines for empathy and it's kind of what you bring to it as well right it's what you take from a film so if your experiences as a lot of young adolescents are of you know for wanting to know what those experiences are like and stuff you just be like whoa rubbing around on each other versus if you've got a certain taste or things you're into it it might not be you know somebody might get right off on that kink and go oh yeah that's right in my that's right in my wheelhouse what they're doing to each other where some people might all be about teasing and taking longer and it might not. Do you know what I mean? So this is where it is difficult in film because you'll chuck something in that, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, perfect example. I won't see that with my missus. In this situation, I'd rather either keep the tension longer, will they, won't they, and even maybe have a won't they. I quite like that. You know, they don't. Or you, you just make a suggestion of or something like that because this adds nothing for me. Yeah, and, and, and that's what it does. It adds absolutely nothing. However, what you're... The, the sex scene in... Top Gun and in Ghostbusters, right? Is is very is very much pre-internet porn days, right? Yeah. The, the the difference that you've got with movies like Basic Instinct and Sliver, which and uh, Braise Moi and and Sirens, you know what I mean? Those those movies there were, were, were the pre-internet porn era. So when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, well, you, you, what are you bothering going at cinema for? You're using the internet wrong, like you know what I mean? You don't so, need puzzle anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. That's it. So it, that that movie was kind of aimed at the razzle generation, people who would find grumble in a bush. You know what I mean? So, so this was the best opportunity to see sex mainstream, especially that this had such a huge impact in the in the VHS market. And you know what? I think I said very early doors on the pod. The accidental my cousin in Anston making me watch um, cocktail which also features Tom Cruise and also noticed that he had sex in a pond or something or some sort of like rainforest kind of situation. Yeah. All the time, Tom, he's your regular bloody, um, who's that bloke who's in, you know, uh, confessions of a window cleaner. He's all over that kind of shit, you know, back in the day, Tom. So what I'll say is just in case I have cut most of what we've just said is you have missed some of the finest erotic talk (laughs) inside of nowhere. And uh, you'll be glad that you've got 10 minutes of your life back. Moving on. I've put zany dogfight scrap music. There's a bit where it kind of goes a bit bam, 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 ding, 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 ding. It turns into a bit of like Jukes of Hazard, kind of, whoy, we're having a bit of a crazy fight. No time for that. Sad guitar for the sad moments. And then I've written Dead Goose. Dead Goose. All his own fault, realistically. Watch for the canopy to go. You're dead. And it would wait to blame Iceman for something, aren't we, guys? That's what it is. Neil, uh, Iceman, I mean, we, did you side with Iceman or did you side with Pete Mitchell? Yes, that's right. Maverick's real name, Pete Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. I think that's fucking hilarious. How 80s is that? There's one point where she says, you can't do that, Pete Mitchell. I'm like, that's the hero. I'd stick with Maverick as well. What's Iceman? Donald Allenson or something. I, but, but were you on Team Maverick or were you, was Iceman a bit nasty for you? Did you think he had a good heart, Neil? Um, is Ice, I guess Iceman is our sort of villain of the film, um, for the most part. Um, but, but Iceman's innocent when it comes to, to a dead goose. Well, he did leave his jet stream all over the top of that. He of did course. leave, he did, but he didn't know that they were so close behind, maybe. Um, it's not clear. Is is it goose? So when you, do you, I, you might know the technical thing, when when you eject from a plane, yeah, does do he have to do time. two things? So <laughs> from what I could gather, there was one, they're all doing this, some really bad acting by Tom Cruise where they've gone act near a window and he's kind of like going, I can't reach it. Yeah, yeah. And Goose is just going, bloody hell, it's rubbish in here. And so they get the first bit off. But you wait, so wait, Goose has got to wait for Tom to blow the canopy. No, you, well, you want the canopy to blow and then sod off. 
But what they've done is it's gone up and he's gone, I'm off. And it's knocked his head on it. And somehow that's killed him. But I guess they do eject right. with some serious venom. Sorry. Yeah, probably... I guess he's meant to break his neck when he hits the canopy. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope it was quick for old Goose. Uh, Dan, did you, did you lament the end of Goose? You pair of blowing my fucking mind, dear. Right. Okay, so they're caught in a flat spin. Yeah, you've got... Oh, sorry. Here comes the former pilot, Dan Fudge. Pete, yeah. Pete Mitchell's <laughs> up against the window. He can't get it. And he's going, Goose, I need you to reach the eject. And he's going, I can't get it either. And then you've got some 80s scrambling. And he's got to get the two handles behind his head. Yeah. And as he pulls it, because you're in a flat spin, the centrifugal force doesn't move the canopy away quick enough. He hits it, snaps his oh, neck, he's it. done with. Now, what you're forgetting, Neil, is that as a grown-up now, I'm in my 40s, you know, watching it as a 10-year-old, it was quite it was quite obvious who the hero of the piece is. Yeah, it's it's Maverick. But then as a grown-up, Iceman in all of that movie does fuck all wrong. Not a damn thing. He's the he's the best pilot. He's he's uh, he's very good at his job. He's not he's not reckless like Maverick is. But for some reason we're we're cheering on Maverick. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are we cheering Maverick. him on? He's a dickhead. He plays volleyball in jeans. At least Iceman's got shorts on. Shorts on. Yeah, Iceman plays by the rules. What um, does Iceman do wrong anywhere? Anywhere in that film? He apart is from top, being a bit, he curt. is the top gun. He wins the award. He is. So he is. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, this is all very true. This is all very true. So Iceman, we haven't seen uh, Top Gun Maverick. I, I haven't seen that yet, but is that good, Dan? You enjoy that one? You're going to come to that one? Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to ruin bits for you while we're on this topic, but yeah, it's uh, it's actually think, a really good sequel. I think you might like it more, Ryan. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? yeah. Um, it's probably got more more plot and more story oh, than you'll like nice. that. You know, it's yeah, got yeah, some, yeah. you mean, because this has none. Um, so I'm going to move on. Pete Mitchell's sad. He's watching the sunset for confidence. He's lost all confidence. Goosey Gander's dead. And then it's mission o'clock because you're needed to go back into the Indian Ocean and do some America shit. It is America. So... Ticking clock music. I put build. I put aviators everywhere. Lots more sweating. And then, honest to God, so sweaty. And then, do you know what? I've got to be honest with you. I was running short on time. I kind of clipped forward 15 seconds at a time at the end, and I think I know exactly what happened. And I'm going to guess thus. Go on. Russians, MiGs. They always call them MiGs as well. And also, I, I did notice he's calling bogeys at one point, and I'm pretty sure bogeys is unidentified. And once they know it is Russians, they shouldn't be saying bogeys. That's just... Uh, um, can, I, can I just interject? Uh, just like this movie and just like the second one you're never told who the bad guy is yeah. at any point you're never told they are just absolute completely faceless other people what fly a plane you're not told that the Russians oh, so that's all. why they keep saying even though you know that the Russians have MiG jets yeah, yeah. big red star on the helmet yeah we're meant to just think <laughs> could just they be, could be anyone now. Could you, could just have got some second arm planes are just flying around over airspace and you know what I mean because it's it, it's it's a thing that's happened in in a lot of movies if you think to the Marvel movies the bad guy in that are always faceless computer generated just blokes like I, I think it's you know the best one I ever saw was like the first terrible Suicide Squad movie where they've just got blistery faces on so it you don't yeah. see the death of an actual person well, like you know what I mean. Plan. Yeah, like the Foot Clan's a great example. Just, just henchmen, just, just people, yeah. and uh, and that's what they do. So they've got those faceless masks on. Oh, they have, and yeah. and you don't see them as human beings. You don't see them as any kind of race or country or or anything like, like that. Russia. Yeah, apparently not, mate. Could be anybody. Just Migs, mate. Just Migs. So he says, "I'm not leaving my wingman, and you can be my wingman anytime." I feel the need, the need for speed. 
It's a proper yeah. bro thing, isn't it? It's that whole yeah, bros. Oh, this is this is the king of the bro movie. This one. Well, it like when you go when you were young and you're going out and you wanted to pull some girls, you went out with your mate, and one person would be the wingman, and one person. Daniel, that you say that to somebody who may have done it for you or vice versa. In the past. <laughs> what was that? What it was <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I did. But it came from this film, didn't it? Came from this film. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Do you know what? I obviously not. I knew the term wingman, but I didn't know it was because I never once, if I've ever been one or tried to have one involved, <laughs> the screen. There's just a whole litany of situations in my past strewn across it. Uh, but no, not once would I have thought of that bouffanted hair of Val Kilmer. I will still say my favourite role has been uh, his much maligned Batman performance, uh, which I still think was a very good Batman because of the O2 uh, U2 soundtrack. But anyway, that's for another day. Um, so overall, we're kind of at the end of Top Gun where it ends. You haven't, if you haven't seen it i mean someone sending to me the other day i haven't listened to your projects i haven't seen some of the films that you've done and i don't want them to be ruined and i'm thinking they've been out a while um <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean not the pods the films i'm like you never go to are you but maybe i'm living proof that you could it's the time where i give it a score um now i can't remember all my ratings i should have written down i think robocop has gone down to about two by now <laughs> Uh, it started at about a five, and then I've kind of had that thing where you've had to move them around a little bit and give them a score, because I'm thinking, I can't give that a five if I'm giving this or whatever. I think my favourite has been Alien so far. I think I'd give Alien an eight. I thought it was really strong. I think you gave it a nine, mate. Did I? Well, I think you gave it a nine, yeah, from when I listened mm. to it. Oh, okay. All right, I gave it's it a, at least a nine. It's a solid... It, it, um, the ten is really not probably ever going to happen. I'm keeping it there for a moment where I just go... Fucking hell. Uh, this one, I'm going to save it. You two, you two go first. Dan, go on, give me a score. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. This one for me is one of the archetypal big 80s movies. And so by that, it should get a high score because of its cultural impact. However, I get really pissed off at the story arc of the woman in it. I, I don't know why. I, I, it really annoys me that she's got this career and she ends up fucking it up for this bloke. And, and it just kind of kind of annoys me a little bit. And, mm. and you're right. There is genuinely no storyline to this movie whatsoever. It's so formulaic. It's like, oh, here we are doing great. Oh, now is it a bad time? Oh, and he comes to it at the end again. Well done, you. Well done. You know what I mean? It, so it's, it for me, this is like a six and a half. It is basically a film of four or five dogfights interspersed with a man trying to get his end away in blue yeah. light. Yeah. And meanwhile, his arse is probably red from all the jeans he's wearing in the volleyball pitch. Jeff's arse. Uh, Neil, six and a half from Dan. Now, remember, this is where the, the difference is always between us who do this because there's a nostalgia added to the person who's not me usually doing the pot. Yeah. So they can add more to it. Whereas me, it's just a flat out film review. Um, so go on, Neil, what are you giving it? Well, this is it. Um, it was interesting watching it. I hadn't seen it for about five or six years. So I watched it yesterday, hadn't seen it for five, six years. Before yesterday, I would have easily given it a nine, maybe <laughs> a 10, maybe no. even a 10. But that's nostalgia, like you say, nostalgia. And when I watched it yesterday, I still really loved it, um, but found it a little clunky in a couple of places, um, which I'd never really experienced before. So I'll give it an eight. Jesus Christ, that's really high. Cultural impact, mate. You can't you can't fight the 80s movies that you haven't yeah. seen. Uh well, no, and that's just part of what it is, you know. Everyone's subjective and god knows what, but it's a four. Um 
fucking terrible film. I hated it after about three minutes. I hated the brosio element. I didn't even like the music, which I quite like. I don't even like, I do like Take My Breath Away. I think that's a, I think that is a very well-written ballad. Um, but otherwise, just pony. I thought some of the acting, I even wrote down on there, acting at the bar, terrible. There's a bit with Kelly McGillis and him, and it's just like, fuck this. how did this even get through? Um, yeah, I get what you're saying, Neil. It's pacey, it's short, short, short. But do you know what? Once you've seen an M14 and a MIG have a bit of a tussle, you've seen them all. Um, not non-specific country MIG, non-specific. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> enemy of any kind. <laughs> the volleyball was poor. The sweating was constant. I like the coffee going on that bloke. Uh, just shit, basically. It's four. And I cannot wait, he says, with great trepidation, knowing it's going to be equally a shit, to watch Rambo. Yes! <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sorry. I, for the, I've got a load of jive off people over about Robocop. Have you given Robocop this? You're off your head and body. Not. So, mm-hmm. Neil, I guess you've seen it. What have I got to expect with Rambo? Is it going to be a good or a bad experience for me? You're not going to believe this. You've not I've, seen it? I've not seen Rambo. Oh! What's wrong with you? Not seeing- I've never watched a single Rambo film. Uh, Dan, what do you think of Rambo? This is one of those 80s movies that they made a kid's Saturday morning cartoon out of. Yeah, and then one. had one of those those sequels decades later from the original. I, you know, Neil is going to fucking hate it. He really is going to straight up despise <laughs> it. And, I, and I'm here for it. I Apparently, though, the first film's quite, like, it's meant to be kind of thoughtful and quite good. And it's the <laughs> second film that's like full-on jingoistic America. He's going to be shit and he knows it. It's going to be someone putting a headband around their head throw it firing arrows and stuff at people that's what i know already i'll come yeah. to that later on. and there's going to be a lot of this because like let's face it yeah. stallone was good at being punched in the face for a reason there was a reason why not yeah. even put your guard up just head down just coming towards punches yeah okay. i've only oh i've got another one for you so somebody said to me at work the other day i want to come on your pod and talk about rocky four specifically four i've seen one two and half of three Okay, so might have to do four. But Neil, what what ones do you think I should? I think we're going to try and get Stu to come on. Uh, I make from Union do the Warriors, which I've never seen. Yeah, it's a classic. Is there any other classics you think I should definitely try and tick off the list? Um, I did like write a list. Um, there's loads. I don't know what you've not seen. I guess you've not seen them all. Neil, um, all of them. He's not seen a damn thing. If you if you can think of any, any Terminator, he's not no. seen it. You should watch Terminator. Um. Uh, I was like, there's a 90s, like, I'd come back on for a film called Akira. Have you seen Akira? An anime film? Uh, No, I've not. That would be a good one, man. Okay. It's like like an 18 rated cartoon from Mm. Japan. Jungle Burger. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that'd be a good one. This is a great example. Um, (laughs) Look up Jungle Burger and what those cocks do. It's terrible. Go on, Neil. Um, yeah, I can't think of the top of my head. Oh, Gremlins, you seen Gremlins? Yeah, I've seen Gremlins. What's wrong with you? Of course, I've seen Gremlins. <laughs> don't, don't, don't mock him like like he said something, like he said something out of order that you've not seen a movie. Small creatures. I, I would have been all right. So, all right. So let's flip this a little bit. Now, Dan considers that Withnell and I to be a wanky film that I like. Shit. No, it's, it's really rubbish. rubbish. What banshees have been sharing? Rubbish. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Absolute bloody awful. What what the Brilliant. fuck was that movie? Now, the thing is, that. I, can, I can see me that does this, Dan, going, just two blokes, one falls out with the other one. That's it. It's really not just about that. It's about the whole... Yeah, go on. It's that. 
It's not. So, Neil, give us a film similar to Banshees and with Nell and I that maybe we can do with Dan at some point and see what he... Something he was... I was thinking Woman at War. I've got Woman at War? Have you not seen it? Icelandic. No. <laughs> Icelandic film, a female um, activist, environmental activist, takes on the government. You, you've just named about 20 of my worst things in life. <laughs> Oh, should do, you should do like have you done flash dance you could do flash dance i've never seen flash dance no we've danced to the music together to it once before so I know the music. <laughs> no i'm thinking um, gorillas things. gorillas in the mist no. um, the medicine man the medicine man um i think you're thinking too old neil i want something contemporary and really arty something where maybe a puppet cries <laughs> There's a good film. You wear a pop with... something like this. I'm having a right bad day, I am. Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, you wouldn't believe my feelings, but yeah, nothing wrong with feelings, but just... There's a good film of Anthony Hopkins where he plays a ventriloquist and the ventriloquist takes over. I Does can't remember what die? it's called. I think he goes around killing people with his ventriloquist doll, yeah. You're, still, you're playing to him still a bit more. He needs more, he needs more, what's the word? More more wheat, as in um, someone, not a lot happens. They're the kind of films for Dan. Something where someone goes on a trip somewhere, but doesn't bother to go. <laughs> it's like, I remember saying to my ex years ago, and she was all about computer games, and she's going, oh yeah, I like games. I said, do you, hell? You like games, games cause things like, where's grandma's coin? <laughs> who's stolen Stephen's teapot that's your kind of game so anything that's like that is a perfect film for Dan so yeah if anyone is listening and wants to uh, chuck in an idea of a film that Dan would hate Dan give us your top three films things you hate in films um, things that are too clever for itself uh, Windnail and I and B- Banshees have been a really good example where, where they portray to be something um, I must admit I'm not really a fan of coming, coming of age movies I, I just kind of I sit there and watch them and go, what, what was the fucking point in that? You know what I mean? And and that and also a movie called This Is 40, the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, I really like that one. Why? It's good. It's just it just makes you think about life. It's it's the first movie I got out of the cinema and left. Uh, I very rarely do it, just just walked out. You know when just uh, it's those um what's those movies? What's those people that make them? Is it Cohen Brothers? It might not be, but you know Harry Brothers. There's a um there's a movie called uh is it there's this is 40 i think i think he did that one uh there's but he did super bad as well but you uh, what mean the, uh, at, at oh um at judapato right and there's one called yeah. funny people now that is a very misleading title for a movie because that was bloody dreadful you know st- ones where it just goes on and on and you're like is this still happening what is happening in this movie because the humor is derived from the uh, from the everyday scenario like napoleon dynamite what the oh, fuck what was that the difference between you and i is that people have forgotten what they thought was cool when with these films i'm reviewing whereas you do agree down that at the minute there's a lot of people saying the last of us is great therefore you may well hate that no, I just found it really boring. <laughs> what was it? I just saw almost your Twitter's like, it's fucking rubbish, this. Everyone's going, this is great. Right, listen, go, listen. The Last of Us, The Last of Us, right, as a game, is wonderful, right? It, it's very good. It's a very good game, but I feel like the the really emotional parts of the storytelling are interspersed with with the gameplay. So in, you kind of take your brain yeah, off and you go, it. oh, my God, thank God for that. That's, that's great. But as a series, 
it, it's not given us anything that we haven't seen in something like The Walking Dead, for example, which is obviously going to draw a lot of comparisons. Mm-hmm. You know, like this group have all banded together and they've got a leader. We had that in episode four or five. You know, we don't trust anybody. So it's gun straight out. We don't trust that. And then for about three episodes, we haven't seen any bloody zombies. I just so, moved you know, on to episode three, Dan, the one that was very emotional everyone talks about. So it didn't, it didn't perpetuate the story whatsoever. Wonderful storytelling, but it didn't perpetuate the story in any way, shape or form. There was no reason to give that in entire uh storyline an entire 45 minute episode i ain't seen it I'll, I'll let you know i'll let you know next one um dan thank you i'm gonna leave it with neil to say neil what you're watching at the minute anything wonderful you've seen um no i don't get i have a daughter and so watching the tv he's two years old so watching the tv doesn't happen twirly much. You're into a bit of twirly um but oh, there's very. um if you've not seen it there's a tv show called tokyo vice it's very mm. good Check it out. Well, 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 Tokyo Vice is going on the list. Well, yeah, look at Danny's writing it down. Um, we'll see you next time for Rambo. Thank you, Neil. We'll see you for Akira, did you say? Yeah, later on at some point, I'll de- definitely do that. And in fact, I'll see you tomorrow. It's going to see a gig in London. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll make it there. I think we're somewhere in North London. We'll see you if we get there. Yeah, yeah. We live in our youth watching a, a complete playing of an album that was a prog rock masterpiece made in 1998. So yeah, we're keeping up with time. Uh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Dan. Thank and you, Time. I'll see you all later.